0: chapter 7 of the red cross girls with the italian army this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the red cross girls with the italian army by margaret vandercook the italian singer it was night in the trentino The Italian soldiers had been told that an attack was to be made by them at dawn. Ten thousand feet above, in their nests amid eternal snows, the Austrian and German soldiers were to be forced into the open. In his dugout behind the Italian entrenchments, the young Italian singer, who had crossed on the torpedoed ship with the Red Cross girls, lay awaiting the summons to charge up the Alpine passes with the breaking of the day. Some of the soldiers slept with their guns in their hands, but Carlo had no idea of being able to sleep during the long night, for the morning was to bring the great test of his life, his first experience in fighting. Sooner than he anticipated, Carlo Navarra, whose plan had been to become a great artist, never a soldier, had been sent. To the Italian front. However, for almost two years, while struggling to make up his mind to return to Italy and offer his services to the government, Carlo had been at work in his free hours, learning all that he could of the uncongenial task of soldiering. For many men and boys, beside Carlo Navarro, hate the life and the work of a soldier. It is idle to believe they do not or that all men are equally fitted for it. Only they must, as Carlo had, learn to fight from a sense of duty and a sense of loyalty. For so long as there are nations and men in the world who still believe in war, so long even those who believe in peace must offer themselves for universal service. For no man can allow another man's courage and devotion to make the world a safe place for the shirker. Now Carlo had time for considering many things. In the first place, why had he regarded himself as an Italian rather than an American? It was true he had been born in southern Italy and lived there as a small boy, but almost ever since he could remember clearly, his home had been in New York City, and he loved the United States best tonight he recalled the tiny italian fruit shop over which he and his mother and father lived in new york he had sometimes been ashamed of the neighborhood since he had made new friends among fashionable people and had started upon his career as an artist but tonight carlo would have given a great deal to have been under the little tenement shelter to have breathed again the mingled odors of oranges and pineapple And bananas rising from the shop below at home he used to dream of the day when his voice would make him a great fortune when he would move the little old mother and father to some sumptuous place where although he might never know it they would probably be perfectly miserable but now he feared that not only might he never attain the rich home but that he might never see the humble one again Carlos shifted his position. The night was cold, so cold that it made him think of the evenings when he had first begun singing in the New York City streets and waiting for the showers of pennies and nickels and dimes to fall from the windows of apartment houses and hotels. for they had always followed his songs, but this was of course before his discovery by the friend who had made a splendid musical future possible for him. For, since then, Carlo had taken the greatest possible care of his voice, never exposing himself to damp air when it was avoidable, never singing except when his master gave permission and then only the songs he chose for him. Yet, here he was tonight, so cold that his voice felt frozen in his throat. Even should he escape other injury, perhaps he might never be able to sing again yet the greatest living italian tenor had called his a golden voice and had predicted that some day he carlo navarro would fill his high place in the world of great singers so it was small wonder and perhaps not so reprehensible that the young soldier felt himself beaten by waves of self-pity and now and then by regret. He had not been forced to come to Italy. He had chosen the duty voluntarily, for he had always intended becoming a United States citizen. And he still intended to do this if he ever got safely back to America. Nevertheless, Italy had called him, and he had answered the call. So tonight, Carlo, in the darkness trying to fortify his courage, repeated softly to himself the words of a great french writer anatole france beautiful italy which i have loved all my life loved for her nature and her genius loved for her cypress-crowned hills her mountains of terebinthine shade or bare under the sun that gilds them those other mountains whose very names set generous hearts athrob then Looking up at those mountains where, on the farther side, other boys like himself lay thrusting out of mind their old dreams, Carlo allowed himself to cry softly in the dark. He was ashamed. He hated himself for his tears, but no one would know. Everything about them at present was so deadly quiet. Carlo lay in the second line of trenches, the artillery, which was to clear the ground ahead at daybreak, was behind the third line. Then, suddenly, in the midst of his shame and of his self-pity, Carlo recalled the final words a stranger had said to him a few weeks before in Naples. You must remember that many people, and usually the finest ones, are frightened before the great moments of their lives. You are ashamed Because you are fearful over the thought of facing your first battle. Will you not also suffer equally when you face your first great audience as a singer? And yet you will not be ashamed of this, because you can say that will be a spiritual, not a physical, fear. But there is no reason why you should be more ashamed of one than of the other, so long as you master it. She was a wonderful woman this Sonia Volevsky. Ever since first seeing her on board ship, Carlo had been attracted by her. It was for this reason he had tried to make friends with the young southern girl, Miss Davis, in order that he might, through her, come to know her friend. However, the older woman had apparently not wished to make acquaintances on shipboard. For it was not until the night of the disaster when his timidity had filled the other passengers with dislike that she had been so extraordinarily kind to him afterwards there had been only the hour when they had talked together alone in the little pension in naples it was there that madame valewski had told him more of her own history than she wished any of their fellow travellers to know trusting him to keep her secret for she wished him to realize that, in her own past days in Russia, when she had been fighting with her small powers against the autocratic might of the Russian government, she too had frequently been afraid, had longed to give up and turn her back upon the mission she had set out to accomplish. In the darkness, Carlo remembered the friendliness of her final hand clasp and her voice at parting. Remember, if you have it in you to become a great artist, it is necessary that you feel more deeply and suffer more intensely than other men. But the artist who allows these emotions to conquer him never becomes truly great. Then Carlo dozed a little. Yet in his sleep he seemed to be singing the song that has restored his courage on that black night in the open sea i will die cheering if i needs must die so shall my last breath write upon my lips viva italia then once later it must have been in the last hours before daybreak the young italian believed he heard although through a kind of stupor the song of the italian nightingale yet this was scarcely possible for the nightingale belongs to the south and this was northern Italy. However, before the first real light in the sky, Carlo was fully awakened by the noise of the first guns of the Italian artillery firing from the rear. They boomed and thundered and shrieked until all life became only a vast combination of impossible noises and all the senses only the one sense of hearing. With such an awakening, Carlo had no return of the fear which had haunted him through the night. In rigid silence he waited like all the other soldiers, feeling himself only a human machine. Any instant a common command would come, then, just as if a finger had touched the trigger of his life, he would spring forward to follow its bidding. Now the captain of his brigade, passing along the line of his soldiers, with his watch in hand, whispered words of encouragement to his boys, preparing them for their moment of action. The boys from the first line of trenches ahead were already struggling up the steep hill, while back in the mountains, the Austrian cannon was returning the cannonading, crashing like the thunder among Rip Van Winkle's hunted hills. Then, when Carlo's order to charge came climbing out of his hole, he, too, gallantly ran forward, up the long incline, together with his companions. Truly, there was a rain of bullets from the mountain top above, and now and then a piece of shrapnel bursting fell, digging a deep cave in the side of the hill. However, the Italian airmen had located the enemy's lines in many days of flying over the Austrian entrenchments. Therefore, the charge of the Italian brigades up the mountainside was not the madness it appeared. Unprepared for their attack, and taken by surprise, the Austrians many times fired over their heads. But Carlo, no longer remembering his past fears and thinking nothing of his danger, but only of his work as an individual soldier, plunged bravely up the mountain. Halfway up, he began firing at the descending Austrian soldiers who were returning his charge. Several times, in the steep climbing, he stumbled. Once he fell. At intervals, Carlo would kneel to reload his rifle. But never once did he falter or feel the least desire to hide or to turn back. Instead shouting and singing, Viva Italia! With his dark head thrown bravely up, he kept gallantly ahead. Other young soldiers in his neighborhood following him took up his battle cry. Then, all of a sudden, and of course with no warning, a great bullet struck Carlo. At the instant, he had not much sense of pain, only a burning, stinging sensation in his throat and a sudden loss of breath. But this was because his time of consciousness was so short. Almost immediately, the young Italian boy reeled backward, and, sliding down the hill, his body rested in a deep hole made by a bursting shrapnel. There was no opportunity for his soldier companions to stop to see if he were dead, for not until nightfall did the fighting cease. Then the Italians had taken many hundred prisoners. It was after this that the ambulance men went out to do their work of rescue. They found Carlo, but for a moment they stood arguing whether it were worth while to carry him back behind the lines. There isn't one chance in a hundred, one of the men said. Well, if there is that, we'll give the poor fellow a show, the other answered. So they carried Carlo gently down the steep hill but they need not have been so careful, since he felt nothing. They left him at the nearest emergency hospital. But when they went away again, were still unaware whether he were living or dead. There was not time to find out. Other wounded men were waiting up on the hill. End of chapter 7 Recording by Gagnon Courchene, Montréal